If you're in higher ed marketing or communications, you can probably think of a handful of things right now that frustrate you about the status quo of how marketing gets done at your institution. If that's the case, sit back, relax, let my guest Ryan Morabito uh, validate all those feelings and show us a better way forward. Or if you're in your car, maybe don't sit back and relax. Sit up straight, 10 and 2. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories and enroll more students. My name is John Azzoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled, a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams on automating their video storytelling content through a subscription approach. Learn more at unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, go ahead and subscribe. And if you've been listening uh, for a while and haven't left a review, I'd love for you to do that. It helps me to continue to produce this content by helping others to find it in the first place. My guest today is none other than Ryan Morabito, Senior Vice President at Five Degrees Branding, a creative agency devoted to building strong brands in higher education. Ryan is very active on LinkedIn, someone I've followed for a while now. He's super passionate about branding and marketing and challenging the status quo about how things are done at institutions. And if you follow him on on LinkedIn, you'll recognize his series. Well, I guess I'll call it a series of posts that uh, always start with, quote, I'm going to tell you another truth about higher ed marketing, unquote. So I'll give you an example because in this episode, when we talk about his posts or these truths, uh, this is what we're referring to, this series of content that he posts. Uh, so what, for example, one of these is, I'm going to tell you another truth about higher ed marketing. There's a lot of pressure to appease senior leaders and cater to their marketing preferences. I get it. But let's always remember whose opinion matters most. Students, now and forever. End of story. Okay, so that's one of those. Um, all right, so Ryan Morbido, Five Degrees Branding. Let's go. Ryan Morbido, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Excited to be today. here, John. Tell us your background, who you are, how you got to where you are today. I've spent uh, probably close to 27 years now in um, higher education marketing. That means I started when I was really young, John. I didn't know what I was doing, and I had some great mentors who gave me some responsibility to kind of grow into that. So I've served institutions. I've worked with over probably now 150 different colleges and universities, really helping uh, in terms of marketing strategy, how do schools really measure their brand, and uh, I think as you and I engage and, and, and uh, connect on LinkedIn, we know there's an opportunity to think differently, uh, maybe better about how schools approach their marketing. Absolutely. So you're, you're pretty active on LinkedIn. Why LinkedIn versus... TikTok. Why aren't you doing dances and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a believer that the difference between a laser and a flashlight is focus. And I've been really focused over the last year and a half on LinkedIn. I think a lot of our, our market, these enrollment marketing leaders, college presidents, um, they're at, on LinkedIn, they're visible. And uh, I try to practice what I preach, John. So instead of spreading myself on different platforms, I really wanted to see how effective we could be engaging these leaders on LinkedIn. And now, as you ask, I'm very interested thinking about what other platform can we continue to, to shatter the status quo of, of college and university marketing? I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like I, I uh, probably in the last year, I just said, I'm, I'm just going to like define the groove that I want to be in and LinkedIn was it for me. And I keep getting like, you know, with the podcast and stuff, people are like, well, you know, you should put it on YouTube and like, you should, you know, go on this. And I'm like, ah, 
I could, but like <laughs> that's gonna distract me. Like I'm, I want to like get really good, you know, in a rhythm with LinkedIn. Then add something, you know. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And and you and I know the most successful brands are built on consistency. And if people who listen to the podcast today, I love empowering new creators. You know, our world, John, marketing, branding takes time. And so when you think about kind of that evolution in watching, I feel a lot more pressure these days. When I started, I had very uh, little traction and, um, and, and was able to really work on my craft. And so uh, I want to give new creators that excitement and, um, and the, the realization that it's not going to be a month. It's probably not going to be a few months. It's going to be developing credibility and trust in this space and, and know that that takes time. So you and I will stay connected and, and think about at the right time, how might other platforms share our message? So you post a lot about, uh, you know, truths about higher ed marketing. I love this series because it's a it's a quick win, you know, gets people talking and, you know, it's kind of just like I like to see those come up in my feed because I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. That is something, you know, challenging the status quo. And it's it's not a huge, long article to read, you know. So I just thought we would go through some of those and just kind of vamp on them and see where that takes us. Yeah, awesome, John. And, um, you know, a post I'm getting ready to post on LinkedIn is going to talk about this gap of understanding. Uh, as I continue to do a lot of internal assessments, um, people just aren't reading from the same songbook. And there's a huge opportunity for our marketing leaders to really be proactive and engage our campus partners. You know, who are our target audience is? What is the, the preferred messaging? And then also, John, how are we going to measure the impact of our marketing and brand work. And so when we think about what marketing leaders were asked to do 10, even five years ago, there's a, a, a very fierce competition for students and financial support. And we all benefit from coming up with some common language and definitions around marketing. And kind of, you know, what I'm very passionate about is moving away from what most people think about in the promotional marketing P. What are we putting on the billboard? What is our external tagline? And we know, John, marketing is much more complex. It's the programs and services we're offering, our delivery modality. What is our price in comparison with our competitors? So as we move the conversation around promotion and what marketing truly is, we can get buy-in from our partners and also align our marketing to those things that are most important. And for many campuses, we know that's tied to revenue streams. How are we enrolling uh, more students? How are we getting more philanthropic support? And those are really important measurements. And now I think it's also important to think, what else do we measure as a part of, of our marketing and branding success? And I think one of those things is perceptions. Um, what do people think outside um, our campus borders? And know that marketers need to know what those associations are so that we can influence those associations over time. So I think there's a great opportunity as schools kind of relaunch their brand and get more intentional about their strategy to really start internally in thinking about having common metrics and common definitions of what success looks like. Yeah, and that's one that you posted uh, recently was uh, that everyone focuses kind of more on the promotional P, but we need to focus more on the 
the the product P, the programs and services. Uh, tell tell me more about that. Yeah, and and I think so. You know, as we look at the thriving institutions, um, the program mix is vitally important. And the last thing we want our marketing team doing is promoting programs that are no longer market savvy. And so, when we think about the conversation, I always encourage schools that if you haven't gone through the the really difficult process of academic program review, you know, now's the time. We need to understand that for our marketers to go out and, and, and promote programs that used to have 100 students and then 20 students and now just a handful. Um, so that changes the conversation. Um, schools are really great at adding things and, and not so great at getting rid of them. So we need a process yeah. in terms of how we are able to do that. So, you know, a couple years ago, it would be, hey, marketing, we have a new program that we'd like you to go and, um, you know, share. And now the conversation is well before we would get to that, our marketing team is brought on board. We're in the conversations doing the research to inform our new program and offerings. And that's a really tangible example of schools, institution, not only doing things different, but doing them better. And so to, to, to think about where that conversation would have been several years ago, and now having marketing leaders very much a part of, of getting new programs um, you know, out and um, communicated. So um, that, John, is another example to be able to, to have a, a common understanding and then understand who our target audiences are. You know, a lot of schools, there's, um, you know, not agreement in terms of who are most important students. And you might have seen the other day that most of our schools are still geared to serve 17 and 18 year old traditional students. Yeah. And adults are the new majority. And thriving institutions have done that and are meeting these adults where they are and still being true to their mission, but also recognizing the need to innovate and bring these programs into a much more market savvy context. Exactly. In, and, you know, in the, the clients that I work with on the video production side, I, I find that to be very true. I, I, I probably tell more stories about adults than I do, um, you know, people fresh out of high school. Absolutely. And for those schools that serve adult learners, um, their website is usually a, a, a really important gap in, in the communication. You know, do we have a pathway for an adult learner in terms of the type of information they care most about when selecting a college and university? And the user experience research that I do oftentimes unveils gaps in terms of those pathways. These adults, these traditional students have a lot of options. You and I know know that, John. So we want to remove those barriers and make it as easy as possible for them to find the, the education that they're looking for. And that's another you know um, issue that I have is watching schools that invest millions of dollars in online advertising, and we're driving these students to web pages that are not optimized, that aren't accessible and can't meet the needs of these students. So you think about you know just yeah. how those resources could be used much better, um, you know, and my suggestion would be your website is your face to the outside world. Let's make that a priority before we drive these different audiences and ask them to make a call to action. Yeah. Give me an example of like what what optimization might look like for some schools that don't have optimized, you know, websites. 
Yeah, I think um, optimization under content, you know, are we providing the right type of content that adult learners are looking for? Interestingly enough, they care about two things like traditional students. Do you have my program and can I afford it? So when I think about optimization around content, a lot of our content is kind of geared towards, um, you know, what is important to our institution and maybe not what is important in terms of the end user, which is our student. When I think about accessibility, John, there's so many gaps in terms of where schools need to spend time in making sure their information is accessible to anyone who might be able to pursue that. So that goes into the optimization. And then the information architecture. If we put our, our mindset about being an adult learner or prospective student and think about how we're navigating from the homepage, again, to that content that we most desire, in a lot of cases, it's very difficult. Adult learners tell me all the time, it's a confusing pathway to find the information we need. And again, we've got a whole yeah. lot of competition for these students. And thriving colleges and universities are making their website um, you know, much more um, easy to navigate and um, you know a, a resource you know for these students and John you talked about just kind of talking and um, the power of these testimonials and for years it kind of boggles my mind that schools don't tell the outcomes of their students and graduates it's the most important marketing tool that we have and the authenticity through their words and through their lens of why this institution has made a transition transformational impact. And again, make sure that those stories are representative of the students that your institution serves. Yeah, I think it's I think it's so important. There's a lot of um, I mean, I do a lot of talking about, you know, the stories, are, the stories are more powerful than the features and benefits. And, you know, letting the stories just be what they are, rather than trying to force a story into just a, an excuse to talk about to list all your program, you know, features and stuff, you know? Absolutely. And then I know you're a big fan, as, as most marketers are, of Simon Sinek and, you know, the why part, John. I spend every day saying why. <laughs> why would a student enroll? Why would a donor want to give, knowing they've got a lot of options of where to give their resources? So that strategic narrative is a, another passion of mine. Real quick break here to reiterate, as Ryan said, the importance of telling student and alumni outcomes, success stories. And if that is something that you want to do at your institution, we make that really easy at Unveiled with our video storytelling subscriptions. Each month, you're going to have a new compelling student or alumni success story drop in your inbox, plus a 30 second cut down, a 15 second cut down of that that you can use uh, in various social channels, and then eight topical videos that have been repurposed from the interview so that no good piece of marketing content that didn't make the full video uh, gets left collecting dust on a hard drive. And if that sounds like a lot of projects to manage across the year, guess what? All the nitty gritty herding cats that goes into making a video shoot happen is stuff we take care of as part of your subscription. Head to our website, unveiled.tv, that's U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv, and book a call with us. All right, back to Ryan Morbido. 
You know, branding comes down to two principles, differentiation and integration. And many schools still struggle with the differentiation aspect. And so when I really work with leadership and use data to help drive a branding platform, I really push schools to be able to say that singular focus. What is the North Star that will guide all of our marketing and communication? And then, John, give our marketing team permission to say no. I appreciate that. Great idea, but it has nothing to do with how we're trying to position ourselves. And schools really benefit from having, you know, that grounding and that consistency in all of their marketing. And so schools, I love when I talk with presidents and board members who are really excited about two or three things that they might want to be known for. And again, we want to be as focused as possible. There's a lot of noise out there, John, even outside of education. Um, I think oftentimes we just think of our college and university competitors, but we're competing for the attention of these traditional students and these adult learners. So absolutely, with the power of a website, and kind of that hero uh, image and top of the page. Let's use that as a, a, a tremendous opportunity to say, here's uh, why we do what we do, and here's how we can help you get to your vision for success. Exactly. When, so when, for you, when, when a lot of schools are saying the same things about themselves, how do you go about helping a school figure out what differentiates them when there's only so many words that you can use to describe the higher education ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, one of our clients recently talked about the balance in branding, the, the fidelity to mission, and also the need to be innovative. And the answer to your question, John, is we don't have to look any farther than programs. Uh, some schools have developed their point of differentiation based on the programs that they offer. And then we might say, well, you might not be interested in this, but let us tell us about the other programs we might have. And that's been a point of difference for decades now. Uh, I told you about how long I've been in higher ed, and many years ago, I would work with the University of the Sciences in Philadelphia. They lifted up pharmacy as one of their signature programs, and what they were able to do is to say, if you're not interested in pharmacy, let us tell you about the all these other great health science programs that we do have. So I've watched schools very intentionally Um, engage in programmatic marketing. And again, it's very difficult, given all else, to kind of rise above that. But it's better to be known for one program than it is not to be known at all. And I think you're going to see, as we talk about this enrollment, Cliff, schools being more and more intentional about the signature program. And also, John, as we look about the opportunity to engage these undergraduate students and watch them move into other graduate, maybe doctoral programs based on a significant amount of trust that they built on the undergraduate level. So when I think about these four P's of marketing and I get people to move away from promotion, um, the two other things I want them to focus on are partnerships and priorities. Most institutions don't have the budget to market everything that they're doing, so we need to be very intentional about the most important priorities relating. And John, that goes back to aligning our dashboard, our marketing dashboard on those things that are most important for 
for our institution. And then the partnerships. Thriving institutions are developing great partnerships beyond their campus borders. You know, now probably about 15 years ago, I worked with Marquette University, and they saw a need based on some research they were doing to develop on-site training for their local employers. And one of those was Harley-Davidson. So they brought classes to this um, employer and really met them where they are. Still very consistent with their mission, very consistent with a very strong program. But imagine the revenue opportunity where now they would develop cohorts of 30 or 35 students and engage them and address the convenience factor that all adults feel. So those um, men and women were able to go and take classes after they finished their shift. They didn't have to go into a separate location. And so I really encourage schools to think creatively about partnerships that would allow them to expand their mission, again, in in some non-traditional ways. Absolutely. I I work with a business school uh, here in Michigan that that has a partnership with the Detroit Police Department. Um, And so they they have classes in, you know, at the headquarters or whatever, at the police station. And it really allows people working kind of all hours of the day, different, all kinds of crazy shifts to get this education in uh, and, you know, and do something more than, you know, and then without having to sacrifice, you know, time with their kids and all this other stuff. So, yeah, it's that's real important. Great example. And, you know, recruiting one student is hard work. You and I know that our colleagues on campuses know that. So if we're able to make a revenue and a mission impact and serve our local community, let's move our conversation more towards that than it is trying to be all things to all different audiences. Absolutely. So one one of the other things you you said, uh, one of your higher ed truths was we need to spend more time studying our students than our competition. So tell me, um, what are some things that leaders focus too much on with their competition? Give, give me some examples. Yeah, John, and that's, um, you know, um, something that's really, I think, important in terms of where schools spend resources. And I work with so many leaders where what a competitive analysis does is it collects dust in a binder. Now it's going to sit in a digital. But if we're looking to our competitors for innovation for great, that's the wrong answer. Uh, what we really need to do is spend much more time with our students and our other audiences. But schools years ago would sit in rooms and talk and spend a lot of time and energy and say, what are our competitors doing? And the reality of it is, if they're doing something that's great, they already have that pioneering advantage. So for us to play catch yeah. up and do that is not the right answer. So for me, there's much more focus in studying the user experience with uh, our audiences than it is with our competitors. And I can see that movement as schools approach me and say, Ryan, I'd like a competitive analysis. The first thing I'll say is, what are you going to do with it? Um, When I come (laughs) back with this type of information, what are we going to do? Are we going to copy it? Are we going to follow? Well, no. And so the answer is when we listen to our students and understand what they care about, we can absolutely use that information, John, to really drive our enrollment and marketing strategy and based on some really helpful inputs. Um, And I've got a post that I will share in the next two weeks that great marketing ideas come from our students, not our competitors. Let's focus our time and our resources accordingly. 
I think one of my posts we talked about the the sort of rampant quality of like a university president seeing another university's billboard on their way to work and being like we can we need a billboard (laughs) it's crazy john and we see that you know all the time and that's where again we need to engage our leaders in conversations about what strategic marketing is and um and so yeah um i see that um all the time i see some really well-intentioned board members pointing out what our competitors are doing and uh, but there's an opportunity to use those conversations and that goes back again to this dashboard. So you think in terms of a dashboard where we've got the board and the president agreeing, what we want to look at, John, is factors other um, than enrollment in marketing. So to get a student to enroll takes a lot of time and effort. Our marketplace knows that. What we want to measure along the way is these transitional calls to action. Where are deposits? Another big ask for students so that we can look and say, how are we going to get more students to deposit? Well, we're going to need more applications. We're going to need more inquiries. And again, having that comparative data over time that we can look at and recognize students take a long time to make their decision, whether they're traditional or adult students. And we market so that when they are ready, our school is top of mind. Um, A lot of schools want to be the preferred choice, John, and the reality is many people aren't even aware of their brand given their current investment. Mm. So we've got to make sure that they're aware of who we are before we can become that preferred choice. Interesting. No, that's super good. Um, Another one you posted was uh, uh, people won't always uh, obsess about TikTok. Let's prioritize developing our own community and distribution channels. Um, what, what kind of, what kind of worry or preoccupation is, you know, is, is that piece of advice born out of? Yeah, I think so much under that shiny object, you know, here we are and, you know, Facebook, John, if we talked a couple of years ago, people would be putting a lot of their money and time into that platform. So it really recognizes those things are going to change. People's preferences change, social preferences change. And the less reliant we are on these third party platforms, the better. So it was interesting, got a lot of good feedback on that post. So an example, would be that here I am and my school has a really incredible STEM program. So what we're going to do is we're going to invite middle school students to come and get a taste of our campus and what this STEM major might look like. And we're going to engage in terms of members of this community where using this marketing lingo, John, they're going to opt in because they see value in what we're doing. So they share their preferred. Here's my um, cell phone number. Here's where you can text me. And these people are opting into a community that we own. It's that wonderful first party data as opposed to, again, looking at and being reliant, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Facebook, whether it's another um, outside platform. So I'm watching schools developing some of these relationships with these middle school students students. They're kind of that spark where, you know, students are starting to find out those things that they're really passionate about. And I would much rather have them put energy and resources into building those one-on-one relationships. And it doesn't excuse away that we're not going to need some of these other social 
channels to help get our word out. But the more that we can do and build our own affinity and people who really want to hear, um, you know, those things that we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. I do think the social media is really um, kind of a, a, a compliment to or a condiment to meaningful relationships directly with your audience. That's that's one thing I found, uh, you know, in business and just over my whole career of, you know, marketing and video production, trying to get people to care, you know, <laughs> is that like you post something on social media and it's like people people are just wired to be like, oh, cool, and then move on, you know, but when you actually have an email exchange with someone or uh, in-person exchange, or, you know, if you actually start building a relationship with someone that spreads so much faster and is and so much more influential to your outcomes than just constantly peppering people with, with social media at the same time, it's like get to know somebody and then also kind of remind them that you're there on social media, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, our schools are now going through this yield season. I, I think we can come up with another name for that, John. Um, but eventually we hope these students will deposit. And continuing that relationship is so important all through the time that they show up uh, on campus, these traditional students in the fall. And so that's where the thriving institutions don't just use one or two touch points. Parents, John, is another kind of underutilized market for those schools that serve traditional students. Parents of our current students want to be engaged. We know how influential they are. And so our ability to not just put them in a sequence where they're getting the same information, but our ability to engage them in thoughtful conversations um, well before their student might um, consider uh, um, leaving or another choice. Um, but again, schools, when you look at that, it oftentimes will put parents in a, yep, we send them these same things. What you and I are talking about is building relationships and it takes time and social media can be a great way to your point to complement those things that we're doing with our one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, conversations and also to reinforce those things that we want people to know about our school. And that for me was influential in me picking college. I went to art school and I remember someone from Maryland Institute College of Art came to my high school art class and she just built a relationship with me. And then I uh, hap happened to you know run into her again at another sort of like meet the colleges kind of events. And then she she sought out my parents and <laughs> and was like, we really want John to come to our school. And um Back then, I thought, well, wow, I'm I'm famous, you know. <laughs> Little did I know that that was her job, you know. <laughs> so, yep. And there'd be so many of those stories, with all else being equal, you know, same classes, same. It is those relationships. So that's a great example that what we want marketing to do is stay out of the way and be able to give our enrollment and fundraising leaders the opportunity to have those one-on-one -on -one relationships at the the end of the day, that's going to be the thing that usually um, is the deciding factor for students to enroll and donors to give. And that's where, John, every opportunity we have to create the expectation that marketing doesn't happen in one campaign or two, it happens over time and having a strategy that each one of these interactions is going to move us closer to our vision for success. 
Love it. Um, speaking of strategy, one of your other truths is college presidents distracting uh, their marketing team. Uh, we need presidents to focus more on the other marketing P's, product, place, and price. Uh, so tell me tell me about that, how colleges can have a strategy, but leaders can come often kind of throw wrenches in that. Yeah, and that would be maybe similar around that shiny object. And, and some of the presidents with the best of intentions. I have one, John, that was enamored by having a bobblehead um, in terms of something... <laughs> And if I told you the amount of hours this marketing team spent and the distraction to get a bobblehead um, that had nothing to do with how they were trying to position themselves, probably a really good example. And so, again, when we have really honest conversations with our campus leadership, what is marketing? Where are we spending our time? The less distractions we have, the better. Um, But I could give you maybe even more examples that when you think about going back to tactics, we want our leaders to really focus on strategy. And part of that, I think, is giving our marketing team permission to say no. One of the clients I worked with recently said one of the biggest gifts we gave them was a framework so that now when people had some really neat, creative ideas that had nothing to do, now they had permission to say no. And I think it's vitally important. Again, most of our schools aren't allocating the right resources to marketing, so their current resources really need to be used as effective as possible. But any chance I have to tell presidents that they're distracting their marketing team, <laughs> they obviously care deeply uh, and passionately about this. And maybe more importantly, John, I want you to know that the best compliments I've gotten on LinkedIn are that my um, work not only resonates with marketing people, but it's really important for non-marketing people to hear. And that's where I think when we have some common language and can get rid of some of the gap around what marketing really is, um, Western Carolina University, they just launched their brand. Travis is their CMO, really smart guy. And he's engaging their campus in workshops so that we think of branding not as a one-time event, but an ongoing process and engaging these campus partners and meaningful conversations. And, um, you know, faculty is a great example. Um, They are the gatekeeper. They're a large reason why students come to campus, and they are the ones that are going to be connected with students and graduates. Yet oftentimes on these campuses, there's a large gap in terms of where faculty are and their understanding of marketing and where marketing is in terms of their understanding of how important faculty are in the promotion of the institution. And that's another one where it's just a great opportunity to knock down those silos and engage our faculty partners in the right conversations. And they are the content experts. We need their help to tell their story. But oftentimes when I do internal assessments, you'll see that, that faculty are really frustrated with their current marketing reality and our marketing team saying, we don't have enough resources to tell all their stories. And we need to figure out with great urgency, John, how we're able to narrow that gap. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good point, because I think that I sent I sent out an email recently to my my list that was kind of about that. It was like, you've got this amazing content right under your nose with all these faculty. And if these are world class professors and stuff, let's get these guys 
you know, on camera. Let's do an article uh, or, you know. Let's get them on camera, John. Let's get them on LinkedIn. And oh, by the way, let's go to their program page and make sure it doesn't feel like a catalog. Um, you know, I laugh when I go in and say like, gosh, do we have that homepage that screams our what? The reality of it is when you and I and you ask me about optimizations, things fall through as we move to different sections. So oftentimes when you go on to these departmental pages, um, they're not nearly what they could be. You could have great video. You could talk about how students are using these majors and making a difference in their communities, in their nation, around the world. But yet we just choose to show information that every other college can. So that's another area that our success as marketers depends on having that intel. And we need to be much more proactive about breaking down those silos. And I think people's, you know, schools' websites can can really be focused on uh, a lot on like what what are the relationships that you're going to get to build here as a student. I find that yeah, the 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 most meaningful thing I took away from college was the relationships that I built with my professors and my peers. And yes, I learned a lot of things, but but really like that's what the college experience was about for me was being mentored by um, specific people. Um, and I carry that with me today. And I think that, yeah, a lot of institutions can do a better job of leading with leading with that saying this is a this is a, a world class professor that you will get to stand in front of and talk to and build a relationship with. And look how smart she is. And uh, and, you know, you know, this could be your mentor, you know. And imagine that authenticity, John. You know, we could say that as marketers till we turn blue in the face. Um, But to hear that through a student, through a faculty member. And again, we live in a digital age where we can reuse, recycle, repackage. So now John has an awesome video of a rock star faculty member. And you know where else that's going? It's going on LinkedIn. So an adult student can say, oh, my gosh, I could go and study under that economics or that smart science faculty member? Absolutely. And and again, let's put that under the low-hanging fruit. These faculty want to be involved. They're extremely passionate about their program. They're the content experts. And let's use that in terms of our competitive advantage. Love it. Last one I got here for you is uh, everyone's a marketing expert. What is everyone being a marketing expert? result in? How do you know who to listen to? Yeah. So if I take a step back and you think about like how our traditional cabinets are structured, you have an enrollment leader, you have a finance leader, you have a HR leader, and now you have a marketing leader. So the absurdity, John, that we would not say like, yeah, let's question our CFO on how they're using um, our accounting tools and um, how we're categorizing our expenses. I think of it as equally absurd if someone says to our marketing leader, here's what we need to promote on that billboard or as part of our recruitment materials. So there's an understanding (laughs) that we respect our other people's expertise, and we should do the same with our marketing leaders. And so that's where, again, 10 years ago, we didn't have a marketing leader sitting at the cabinet. The vice president for advancement or enrollment would say, here's what we're doing. And now, John, let me just kind of 
flex and say, we've got a seat at the table and we need to recognize and understand the expertise that these proven leaders bring to the table. And I'm a huge sports guy and um, it's the quarterback analogy, John. If you get the right marketing leader, it changes the game. It makes everything contextually easier. Um, but I watch when we don't have that proven marketing leader, it does make it easier for people to kind of poke holes and look at a lack of credibility and expertise. But I'm in a place, too, that we've got to understand that we've got to respect the voice of our marketing leaders. And if we don't, John, we got to find a new marketing leader with great urgency. So that I think uh, is really important for us to say, I'm not asking for any more than we would give the rest of our leadership colleagues in respect and um, expertise. Oh, I love that. I think that's, I think that's great. I, I can hear the, the marketing folks on LinkedIn just championing that little soundbite. <laughs> and I just laugh at the absurdity. I'm not telling the HR, you know, leader what our policy should be in terms of, you know, orienting new employees or new. I could give you a list, John, we could come up. So we, we protect um, that level of expertise. And part of that is just the newness that, again, we didn't have, you know, marketing experts. A lot of that was channeled through. And don't get me started in our last few minutes. John, but anyone who follows me on LinkedIn knows we can't be responsible for marketing and pick a word. You can't be the VP for marketing and enrollment. You can't be the VP for marketing and fundraising. And if you are, something's got to give. So I say and I scream to people, John, we have to have our leaders going to bed every night and waking up every morning with a singular focus. And thriving colleges and universities don't have a VP for marketing and some other huge responsibility. They recognize it as a full-time gig and then some. Um, and the demands on this position are not going away. They're growing. And um, so that's where for me, it's yes, hire a CMO, hire a VP of marketing, full stop. Yeah, this has been this has been great. Anything else? Uh, anything else we, that, that people need to hear? <laughs> it's, uh, it's great. I enjoy the opportunity. And, you know, for me, as I watch, you know, people leaving higher ed, there's no better time to be in higher ed marketing. I feel that in every ounce of my being. And, um, and I want to get the right leaders on these campuses because I know it is the absolute game changer. So yeah, for, for me, the optimism grounded in our current reality of gaps and challenges, um, there's no better time. And I can't wait to continue to empower this next generation of marketing leaders. Love it. So where can people uh, where can people find you that want to connect with you? They can definitely find me on LinkedIn, uh, Ryan Morbido. And then my email address, if someone wanted to email something there, John, would be Ryan at the number five degrees branding dot com. Awesome. We'll put that stuff in the show notes. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. This is, I was looking forward to this. So I'm, I'm excited to get this this episode out to the world. Thanks so much for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. Number one, if having a lot of student and alumni stories at your disposal is something that you would love uh, to have, if you could just snap your fingers and have what you want, let's talk. I've got something great for you with our student testimonial subscriptions. 
imagine having one new student or alumni story drop in your inbox every month, plus 10 other supplemental videos stemming from that story. Uh, 11 videos per month, that's 132 pieces of video content per year for a flat monthly fee and all of that footage to use. Uh, as you wish, forever, no extra charge, like a lot of production companies would uh, charge you for. Head over to our website at unveiled.tv, that's U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv, and book a call with us. Uh, number two, if you want to take the storytelling you're already doing to the next level, I have a free resource for you. It's a three-part framework for creating compelling student and alumni testimonials. You can get it at unveiled.tv slash student testimonials. doesn't even have to be for video. It works for written content as well, or even telling stories on stage or in a presentation, your next TED Talk. Uh, so go pick that up. Number three, leave a review for this podcast. It helps us out a ton. Thanks so much for listening. My name is John Azoni. Go and connect with me on LinkedIn in the meantime. I will catch you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Marketing Storytelling. What's this thing called? Higher Ed Storytelling University Podcast. Thanks.